thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show, we are joined by Paul Larson, PhD from PluseandProf.com. Paul joins us today to discuss whether elites can be unhealthy or healthy athletes and how this is associated with enhanced performance at the highest level. Hi, Paul, and welcome to the show. Hey, Steph. Great to be here. Really excited to explore this topic with you. Um, I'd love, though, as it's your first time joining us on the show, just to set the scene and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Oh, okay, yeah. So I am coming to you from uh, Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada. So I'm uh, I'm Canadian, but I've spent uh, yeah I've spent a whole lot of time in your neck of the woods down in Australia. Um, I, I guess my, my basic history is that, uh, I've always been a mad, passionate, uh, triathlete starting a Ironman triathlon at a very young age. Uh, and then also, uh, I guess when I realized I wasn't going to make it as a, as a professional, I started to focus a little bit more on my studies and I did a bachelor's and master's at the university of British Columbia in Vancouver. And then I was fortunate to win a scholarship to the university of Queensland in Brizzy. And I went there for three years in, in 2000. Um, and I stayed down under for about nine years to- in total, uh, working you know, as a university professor um, from you know, in Melbourne or just out of Melbourne in Ballarat and in Perth at Edith Cowan University. And yeah, I guess did a lot of projects with the, with the Australian Institute of Sport. And that that work, I guess, got me some interest uh, in New Zealand, and I became. Uh, they they recruited me for their lead job as a as the performance physiology lead um, for high performance sport in New Zealand, and yeah. So I guess you know lots of you know uh, well over a hundred publications in the sports sciences, uh, leading an Olympic program in the in the physiology department. Uh, all the while, I guess, amounting, uh, you know, as a bit of a hack triathlete to, um, you know, uh, 16 Ironman triathletes personally. And then, you know, I guess with the work with High Performance Sport New Zealand and, and getting closer to athletes and coaches, I really, really got the the bug for coaching. And I, I'm also fortunate to um, to coach, a, um, you know, a couple of the world's best uh, Ironman triathletes. Uh, through the pluseandprof.com um, website that I've kind of put together with my colleague, Dan Plews. And uh, I met him, I guess, when I was in Perth, and we were running at, at Edith Cowan University. We were running a program uh, up in Singapore, um, and Dan was working as a, I guess, a performance physiologist at the Singapore Sports Council there. And I guess uh, you know, we hit it off because he was, an, he was a, um, a pretty 
pretty solid triathlete as well. And I, um, when I was over in New Zealand, I pulled him over and got him employed. And yeah, we've, uh, I guess the rest is kind of history and <laughs> back here now in, in, in Canada. And, uh, but we continue our, our work online, um, you know, working with our athletes. Uh, I, I still retain my adjunct professor role with, um, sorry, AUT university in, in Auckland. And, um, you know, I've still got lots of PhD students, and, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the work that we currently do today is, was probably, you know, interest, uh, interest to you and your listeners. And really a lot of it, you know, relates to, um, how to maximize fat oxidation, how to, um, yeah, live, you know, become a, a healthy athlete. Uh, and, you know, yeah, doing a lot of work with Phil Maftone in the, in the meantime as well. Yeah, amazing. I love it. And we will talk about, um, the work that you've done with our good friend, Phil, but I actually had a. Just a question I wanted to ask in terms of your experience in the industry per se. I mean, you more than anyone would have been exposed to the dogmatic carbohydrate guidelines and I wonder if any of your sort of research was focused in that space and what your light bulb moment was to move across to um, focusing on fat adaptation and the like. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny, eh? Because like uh, as you know, because um, I know you're you're in that industry as well. Is that uh, you know we talk about nutrition and diet, and fortunately, I think it's because we all practice it uh, and we all want to believe we're doing the right thing. Um, it, it winds up kind of falling in that same topic as whether it be politics or religion. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a very Veganism. it winds up being a real. Diff- <laughs> Yeah, whatever. It just winds up being a real tough one to 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 talk about. And um, I, yeah, I, I guess you know, I I grew up with uh, the high carb guidelines and and believing those and writing about them and promoting them and teaching them. And yeah, I, I guess well, I'm a big follower of Tim Noakes, and mm. uh, that was probably that when you know when I first um, I thought it was kind of interesting how he was he was sort of he was switching over at that mm. point uh when I, I was at high performance sport in new zealand and and uh i thought it was kind of interesting at the same time i was suffering from you know i you know i was in a high stressful job leading you know leading olympic program in the physiology department and i was i was suffering from high blood pressure Mm. And, and again, I was doing everything, you know, by the, by the guidelines I was, you know, training for our training for, uh, for triathlons, uh, and eating a high carbohydrate diet. And then also, um, had, uh, yeah, um, hypertension and I, you know, um, I guess when, I'm a, yeah, I, I, I switched shortly after Tim did, I guess, mm. um, and, found the same sort of benefits and um i responded really well i figured out that i was insulin resistant and uh and then i you know i dropped a ton of kilos and you know mostly visceral fat from the uh and and my and then i (laughs) i i i hit my best time in the ironman triathlon shortly after and that was really kind of bizarre to me um and i you know i was doing that at age 40 and uh yeah, I was no longer bonking. I could, you know, I can do a uh, you know five or six hour ride without uh, without eating anything, and and yeah, I guess it was it was sometime there in the the 2011. Of course, uh, you know, as you know, that's that's uh, it, I had that experience, 
Um, that probably biases me, but uh, there was a, you know there's some good science and I guess that sort of started to um, come to the fray thereafter. You know, led by Tim and Jeff Bullock and Steve Finney and and uh, and and of course Phil Maftone. He, um, you know, he kind of came to the fray after. And that's actually an interesting story. Is that um, uh, there was at the same time I was reviewing papers for um, for journals. There was this one that came across my desk, and it's the same time I was kind of, you know, the penny was dropping for me in terms of um, the uh, the importance of fat oxidation. And I remember the study. And it was uh, it was across my desk, and it was by Steven Seeler, who's a big sports scientist out of Norway, American sports scientist. And it was it was showing that fat there was a high relationship between fat oxidation and VO2 max. I'd never kind of seen that before. I thought it was a really cool study. As a reviewer on the study, I you know I, I accepted it. I said this is awesome. Um, we we need to see that out there. And I just expected it to be accept, um, to see it in print shortly after. And, um, when I went back to, you know, find that paper after all this was, you know, the heated war was kind of out there. I wanted to, you know, tweet it or, or, uh, you know, tell it to people. I couldn't find the paper. So I emailed Steve and I said, Steve, I I know, uh, I know we, uh, that you did that paper. What happened to it? And he said, we, the, they rejected it. They, you know, I've tried it in a bunch of different journals that no one would ever believe it or accept the results. So I said, well, let's, uh, you know, can you fire it back to me and can I try to help you publish it? And, we'll, and we, you know, re rejig the data, put some new stats on it with Dan and, um, yeah, we got it, we got it published and that's, that's when Phil saw it. Uh, and then he emailed me and said, I've been looking for this kind of a study for forever. Thank God you published it. <laughs> mm. And that's how, I, that's kind of how I met Phil and that's really how I, I guess got onto the bandwagon, so to speak, and started to to sort of join that movement towards, uh, you know, showing a different side of uh, of things that can definitely be done a different way and and be done a lot better for a lot of different people. Yeah, that's awesome, and you're obviously very much across all the research, but I'm sure you've probably come up with your own set of challenges when we know that you know, with all due respect, like the research that Louise Burke, for example, is putting out is, um, is certainly what I learned at, you know, at a tertiary level and that hasn't changed. How do you go um, with your teachings and, and the curriculum and things like that? Well, so I'm, I'm kind of an independent now, eh? Yeah. So I'm, I'm over, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm writing a book on, uh, I've, I've kind of bowed out a bit because mm. it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one to kind of win. It's going to be a, you know, it's a slow, I, you know, appreciate the work that you're doing on it, but it's, it's, uh, and, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm doing it personally with my athletes yeah. and, you know, I've got, I'm currently coaching Kyle Buckingham, who's number nine in the world right now. And, you know, he swears by it and all the guys that are just, you know, that are, you see on our athlete profile and with quiz and prof, and there's a lot mm. of the, you know, it's a lot of the best guys in the world and they're, they're doing this. Um, and it's and you know Louise is a is a colleague. We've published a lot uh, a lot of papers together, and I highly respect her work. Mm. And um, you know, um, I guess we're all you know we're all entitled to our opinions. And and uh, the the data the data is there's lots of kind of ways to interpret data, and um, and we're all um, yeah we're all entitled to kind of do that. And um, yeah, I uh, I guess it's just there's it's kind of difficult to change certain viewpoints, and I'm probably 
I'm probably biased too because I've had this quite, you know, profound experience. Um, and I'd say that, that that my own personal experience actually is is probably even stronger than me kind of lining up all of the the research. Like the fact that I've dropped a ton of weight from my gut and uh, you know taken 20 minutes off my Ironman time um, and you know crack the 10 hour barrier yeah. you know feel great have lots more energy that's that's probably even more profound and then of course you know, the other experience that I have with my N ones with uh, with certain certain athletes that's probably more profound than 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 a lot of the research that's out there and and to be honest there's not a lot of research out yeah. there right like there's you know that you can probably count the number of long-term high-fat studies uh, on, you know, maybe on 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 two on two hands. There's yeah. probably only ten studies. It's very difficult um, research to do. It can take like uh, like there's no long-term chronic studies, with the mm. exception of the cross-sectional work, like with uh, that Jeff Volk's done. Um, we've just finished a paper. We're about to submit it to British Journal of Sports Medicine. Um, I think it's one of the longest ones where it's actually kind of controlled. And we've gone, we, we did four weeks on that one. We've also got another one in the pipeline with some colleagues in Czechoslovakia where they're doing the, it's going to be a three week, uh, sorry, three month study. Um, so yeah, they're, they're really difficult, expensive, challenging studies to kind of do, to do them right. And yeah, those, uh, it's difficult. I, th- I think it really, you know, I, saw, I listened to Phil on a podca- podcast the other day and he, I think, I think he really said it well. And it's, it's the fact that you need to take your own, um, you need to do your own experimentation yeah. and you need to, uh, kind of almost self, uh, educate yourself and you need to protect yourself and, um, find out what's best for you and, uh, and, you know, manipulate your own diet a- around a little bit and, and, and be patient with it and, and, uh, and, and monitor those changes and, and whatnot that happen. And yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty prudent advice. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you, but I'm also the one that, you know, everyone's sort of rebuttal is, where's the research, where's the research, that's bullshit, you know, um, we've only got what, you know, Burke and obviously Aska you can drop have proven or, or shown over the last however many decades. So it will be interesting and I think it's a matter of, of time will tell now that we've seen obviously Volex faster study last year and I think that will be the catalyst to so many more studies and certainly three months. I can't wait to see the results of what you're producing. So very, very awesome to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll t- I can tell you that we, we basically wound up showing like one of the one of the myths that's kind of out there is that mm. you can't perform high intensity exercise mm-hmm. if your carbs aren't high. Mm-hmm. So we 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 um we put uh we we swapped a group of just you know physical education students or you know they're uh, recreationally trained athletes but we we swapped their um, I, I think you know vo2 max is probably around 52 55 okay. mils per kg and we swapped their um their diet around so we gave them a keto diet you know 20 to 50 grams for, for four weeks and um identical you know high intensity interval training results at the end um compared wow. to a awesome. compared to a i guess a habitually trained or a habitual diet you know standard mixed western diet so that was kind of cool and and that that you know we we believe that so we their fat oxidation ramped right up that was the only thing that changed was just how they went about it so mm. we showed that they adapted completely to the diet and um 
you know, uh, real high intensity exercise was, was unaffected. So we, it's one of, one of, um, the first, I guess, that's kind of busting that myth. That's um, amazing. And, uh, yeah. And I see that all the time, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm dealing with some top, top, top mm. athletes and, uh, they've been on, you know, they've been chronically on, you know, low carb, high fat diets forever. And they crank out the pot, the powers, you know, up mm-hmm. in the, four and 500 watts, no problem. So it's, yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, in my mind, that one's kind of busted. But if you go back through all the research, just like you're saying, um, people are going to, people are going to say, no, the research doesn't support that. So therefore it doesn't happen. But so the research is slow to kind of catch up to, to what's out there and what, what people and athletes are, are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it is that, that period of adaptation, as you would have seen earlier this year, there was that um, low-carb diet and power walkers, which was showing poor performance. But, you know, it was such a short amount of time. And I know that online, you know, Professor Schofield and I were in this Facebook thread, which obviously is a bit of a nightmare. But, you know, the, the big conversation was around the fact that these athletes weren't adapted. So, you know, of course they were going to come back with poor numbers and that's where we need the science to to be now to allow for that adaptation period so then the results are looking at a metabolism geared to be able to oxidize fat at high intensity yeah spot on um i think that is i mean if you could be critical to louise's louise's study excellent Mm -hmm. study great great that they um uh, you know, they, they got three weeks and they used, a you know, a, an elite cohort. Um, but I, my, my guess is, and if, if you look at the confidence intervals of the, um, I guess the changes in the performance, they're quite spread and it's suggesting that, you know, some were, some were going all right uh, on it and they were, you know, kind of through that adaptation period and others were, others weren't. And, uh, um, yeah, I think, you know, Maybe if they'd gone an extra week, uh, not easy to do in controlled settings, uh, granted, but they might have seen a little bit more, uh, more positive adaptation and uh, different results or comparable results. Yeah, um, as we've as we've showed in our lesser trained cohort just now, data data in progress to be published. Yeah, excellent. We will stay tuned for that one. So then mm. obviously the topic for today was, um, sorry to put you on the spot with my, my own personal questions there, but our topic for today is obviously to explore the paper that you um, have written with Dr. Phil Maffetone and um, that's obviously the, the Athletes Fit But Unhealthy that was published um, in, well, this year, wasn't it? So obviously earlier this year. Um, so tell us more about what you guys were you know trying to achieve there and some of the key findings yeah well this again this came i already um mentioned the story a little bit where phil emailed me and uh with respect to you know congratulating me uh on that paper um with uh steven sealer's group Mm -hmm. showing the relationship between vo2 max and fat oxidation so after that, you know, Phil is, a, you know, you've interviewed him. He's a he's a brilliant physician and practitioner and and doctor, you know, coach of uh, of Ironman triathletes in his past. And we, you know, I, I started being in the, I guess, being in um, high performance sports and uh, working with athletes and coming across real problems where I was seeing a number of unhealthy athletes and. 
you know, Phil was kind of that guy that was in the background who was helping me, helping me deal with, um, with some of these athletes because they weren't getting, uh, unfortunately they weren't getting the help, the help that, that maybe they needed, um, because of these new, new kind of concepts. So yeah, I guess through that we kind of can't, and you know, he, I really, uh, I take my hat off to Phil because he opened my eyes to a lot of the stuff that's published in that and it's open access and maybe you can, uh, you know, include the, include the links in your show notes. And, um, and yeah, the, he basically, he showed me that, um, the two are completely, you can be very fit and, uh, perform, you know, a certain physical task. And you can do that whilst you're, whilst you're, you're, you're un, unhealthy. I mean, we often think about um, if, if an individual is, you know, they've, they're, if they're fit, if they're a beautifully, beautiful looking athlete, like, uh, like, like those we idolize, they, they surely, they must be healthy, but yeah. the, the two are kind of, they're, they're actually separate concepts. Mm. And, and I guess that really, that penny really dropped for me working in the business. And, uh, and, and, and seeing a lot of unhealthy athletes. So, yeah, I guess, um, you know, again, just to, to clarify the, to clarify the definitions, fit means you can, you can perform a, a physical task, whether that may be a, you know, a VO2 max task, uh, a certain race, um, uh, et cetera. Like, and, and I'm sure we've all, you know, all your listeners and yourself, Steph, we've, we've competed in these races in unhealthy states. We get through them, right? Maybe not, not to as, as well as we want to, but we can get through them. And athletes are no, you know, all athletes are no exception to that rule. Um, it's not a great state to be in for a long time is that unhealthiness. And, and of course that's, uh, the, the, I guess the, the worst outcome at the end, uh, is that we get that, we develop into that overtraining syndrome, um, and, and I guess to cut to the chase, well, how, you know, what, what's kind of causing this unhealthiness? Well, um, two big con- confound- confounders, uh, and one is probably an inappropriate training load where it's, you know, you're not kind of training in a, a generally polarized fashion where you're, you're kind of training too hard all the time. So you're, you're adding a lot of stress to the system. And then the other one is the other stressor is, is the diet and, and mostly, uh, you know, um, an, uh, poor, an un, un, uh, highly processed, um, high glycemic, high sugar based kind of diet, which we know a lot of athletes, uh, um, will, will, will use. And, and, uh, it's kind of, yeah, as you mentioned stuff, it's, it's, that's one of the, the things that's kind of sort of promoted a little bit in through the, re- through the recommendations, um, you know, not not directly, but um, can be interpreted that way sometimes. I I even you know wrongly interpreted um, a high carbohydrate diet to to be having sugars. I guess a lot of the times that put me in trouble. When when you say that though, are you referring to the recommendations that we see for athletes in terms of their grams per kilogram of body weight or grams of carbohydrates per hour? Because I mean, even on the AIS website, they literally say that your carbohydrate loading should include foods like um, Gatorade, orange juice, lollies, and white bread. So to me, that's pretty clear that they're actually recommending <laughs> athletes consume refined carbohydrates, and that's a big problem. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I um you're more up on the current <laughs> literature. <laughs> Thanks for researching that. Um yeah, I mean, that's not, I wouldn't recommend that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I see that's, what you're saying. That's going to cause a low-grade in, inflammation, as we know now, but maybe not not everyone's kind of right there in terms of understanding that. But that's where we can kind of move next, right, When in terms of the, the next little blog post that we wrote that was fascinating in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about um, what you've learnt with one of your athletes in particular. I'll le- I'll leave you to tell the story, but um, it's obviously got to do with um, visceral fat and its relationship to health and performance. Yep. So it's yeah. So again, you can include the link so mm-hmm. people can get more information. Sure. But it was um, so it's Dan Plews's athlete. So I'm speaking for him here, um, and uh, so you know I might not have it 110 percent, but basically it, you know it's it's written in the uh, in the in the blog post mm-hmm. there. And so it's uh, Jan Van Berkel. He started consulting with Dan. Um, I think Jan's probably a top 50 Ironman triathlete. Or um, yeah, that would be around his 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 world ranking right now. And um, he came to he's from uh, he's Swiss, and he came to Dan just asking for some consultancy. <clears throat> excuse me, and eventually took on uh, uh, went the 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 full route, and and Dan actually coaches him. Mm-hmm. And when he when he took on the coaching um, role, which was about four or five months out from the Ironman South. Africa event, uh, they did a DEXA scan mm. just to kind of get a baseline, right? Like just did, just did a bunch of baseline kind of tests and had access to a DEXA scan. So dual x-ray absorptometry where they get a, a full body composition assessment. It's kind of your gold standard. Yeah. And, uh, the cool thing about the DEXA not, you don't just get like, um, I get your, you know, your, your fat mass and your lean, lean mass to get your percent body fat, but you can actually get certain areas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the cool one you can get on there is the visceral fat. So mm-hmm. the visceral fats, the fat that's like lining your, your organs. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I guess, yeah, the, the visceral fat's the real kind of important one for knowing how healthy we are. Um, the visceral fat, uh, it seems to be put on to us a lot more when we are in a state of, um, stress, whether that's, um, you know, whether that's, uh, diet induced stress or, you know, job induced stress, exercise induced stress, name your stress. But, um, that's, that's, that tends to be where we deposit a lot of fat and that's in our visceral around the organs. So, you know, Yan had his, uh, his DEXA done. And then, you know, goes on the standard training program, which really isn't going to be too much different than what he's done in the past. You know, it's going to be pretty heavy. It's up up around, you know, the 25 to 30 hours a, a week, which is a pretty standard for these guys with specific sets. Um, and But the big change, of course, that, that Dan got Yan to do after he did his DEXA scan was he got him to go, go LCHF. Mm. He really wanted to up his fat oxidation rates. Um, so sw- swapped his diet around compared to what he was on, and um, lo and behold, did another DEXA scan before he did his did his, did his event whilst he was in the taper before he left into uh, to head down to um, South Africa for his event. And uh, I guess we yeah he saw a massive halving basically of his yeah. visceral fat level as, uh, as you can see the data there. So his body mm. fat percentage went from like twelve to eight percent. And uh, but the visceral fat level kind of cut in half, so there was a real lot that kind of came out of his 
um, is midriff. So that was really, really interesting. And, uh, you know, it, it basically kind of showed that Dan, through the diet, you know, he, he made him, through his training, he made him fitter, but he, through, he also made him really healthy. Mm. And, uh, and, yeah, Yan got fifth in the race, did, you know, ran one of his personal best best times and um yeah and the, the exact same i mean the same thing i didn't get the data from from uh, my athlete kyle but the same sort of thing happened as well we you know i took kyle on at about the same time swapped his diet around and, and kyle got fourth so uh, yeah yeah it was just uh it was really cool to see the i guess the parallel increase mm. in um the as the athlete became healthier they also got um, they also got a lot fitter and, and both of them hit personal bests. Yeah. And that's pretty, that's pretty meaningful to, uh, <laughs> to these guys. I mean, mm. that's, uh, you know, that's money in the bank for these guys quite, you know, these guys do all right when they, when they hit up there in the, in, in the, in the top, top rank. So they're pretty over the moon with it. Um, they're running free, you know, all the, you know, all the stuff. I'm sure you've talked about it in mm. terms of, you know, the fact that the, the bonk is just gone. You can run, you got energy for days. And uh, yeah, performance can go up. Um, so yeah, pretty, um, pretty, pretty cool findings uh, in uh, in that blog post and and for our athletes' performance. Yeah, it's so good, and I think I'm sure you can relate. Like you know, I I feel like it's age groupers that are quite open to trying LCHF, and you know, they're starting to hear more about the benefits of becoming fat adapted. But it's often and and with all due respect but it's often the young fast men who feel like that you know they're they're really stuck in that you need the carbs for speed mentality and if they've never had like a a problem per se like if they've never bonked or something um, similar they don't necessarily have this reason to change per se but when we start talking about you know health and your athletic longevity I think the penny can drop for a lot of people because it's performance obviously that's very important for these guys as you say it's money in the bank but you know athletic longevity is something that we have to start to 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 prioritize because we see too many athletes retiring at some age of 30 or similar because of inflammatory injuries or whatever it might be when most of these things can be avoided by looking at health and performance at the same time yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that is one of the huge advantages mm. of the LCHF approach um, because it will prolong your athletic career. Absolutely. Um, I've got a, um, I guess, a, almost a, a friend of the family, actually. You might even have heard of his name before, but it's uh, Simon Whitfield. Mm. And he was the 20, he was the, he won the 2000 Olympics for uh for canada in the in the in the triathlon i remember you know he was so um you know i guess anal about his diet and he was he was teaching me paleo before um before i even knew about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> he cool. was a big follower of uh of of mark sissons but yeah. uh yeah i remember going to his house and he he was just so particular with the oils and stuff that he was having and it was quite quite remarkable and uh i thought he was kind of crazy at the time mm. of course you know he knew exactly what he was doing and he had a, a very long career. Um, he was, you know, um, yeah, he was, you know, up close to forty. You know, what did he do? Four Olympics, uh, four Olympic games, almost up to forty. And uh, and yeah, that's the that is definitely the the biggest advantage. You don't want to be, you know, if you've got the talent and you're enjoying what you're doing, you want to do that um, as long as you kind of can. 
and uh, it's it's unfortunate that more aren't uh, I guess a little a bit more patient with it. And uh, but you know, I think it's probably still early days, and I yeah. think more are going to kind of come on board. And and I think we are seeing a few more come on board with, with it. And um, uh, you know, I'm because I'm into it. I I, I know those you know, that that are and kind of aren't. And I think there's more and more coming on. And a lot of people are, and they're not kind of saying, I just don't want to talk about it too much because it's it's like religion, right? Like we said before. So you don't want to speak too much about it because well, <laughs> other I people also, think you're crazy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But I also think that, you know, the people that were the early adopters probably don't want to give away all their secrets, right? Because imagine the performance advantages they have now um, against their competitors. If I was an elite athlete, I wouldn't want everyone to know about this because then, you know, then everyone has the same advantage. Oh, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, uh, uh oh, yeah. I remember working in the, uh, in the New Zealand program and that was, yeah, it was, it was, they were big about being secretive on the, the, the silliest little things that really weren't, <laughs> they weren't that, uh, oh, uh, I don't think they're that important, but uh, but yeah, coaches can get a little bit funny with respect to to those things. But yeah, I, I think there's there's way more. It, it's not. It's never going to be one thing uh, that's no. going to give you that advantage. There's there's so many other factors, and you got to be looking at the whole picture. Um, that's where you know, that's where success is really uh, is really really gained when you're looking at you know you're looking at the training and the taper and the uh, and, and knowing your athlete and seeing repeated patterns and understanding health and, and all the other different things that you, that you do. And then you, you can put it all together and then you've got a, got a package, but yeah, there's, it's, it's a shame that there's, uh, I don't know, uh, they don't, uh, share that a little bit more around the diet stuff, but of course that's, uh, yeah, athletes will be athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, things are definitely speeding up in, even in the, just the last year with, LCHF and keto and real food being a big conversation, at least in our world. So we're very grateful for the work that you have done and continue to do. Um, so just before we wrap up, um, just direct our listeners to your site and anything else that um, you'd like to share with them. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's we blog a little bit. Um, it's uh, the site's called pluesandprof.com. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, we, it's, uh, we were on a podcast for a while, uh, the Fitter Radio podcast, and we, yeah, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of listeners on that, and uh, the, yeah, just kind of the Plus and Prof na- um, name kind of came from that, which was actually just developed through friendship at, at work as well, and we just, uh, we, we just, we brought, we brought the friendship onto air. And uh, yeah, it's you know the, I guess the main the main gist on the website is looking at performance, health, and longevity. Uh, you know you can go there, you can have a look at our our blog posts. Uh, we have you know, lots of stuff on heart rate variability, um, various training plans, and other 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 little tidbits. Lots on the LCHF diet, and um, yeah, the the athletes that we coach, we we love uh, love coaching top top flight athletes yeah so if there are top flight um you know elites that are out there and listening to this um give a little bit of a knock on our door we uh we'd love to hear from you amazing so head to the show notes team all the links for the articles and papers we've discussed today as well as um make sure you check out that online paul it was great to connect with you and i've really enjoyed our conversation thanks for being a part of the real food reel 
Ma, it's my pleasure. It's been it's been real fun stuff. Thanks awesome. very much. And we'll have you on again soon, no doubt. Take care. You too. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.